0: LOI Match Day on Off the Ball.
1: Adam McDonald, Bohemians midfielder. It's uh, great to speak to you. And uh, thanks for coming on the uh, LOI Match Day podcast. I wanted to ask you first. Um, I saw a little stat sheet going out. I don't know if you've, you've seen this little stat sheet on yourself going out on Twitter this week. And uh, I was just looking at uh, it's had recoveries, 40 recoveries in your 11 appearances with Bowes this season. And I was actually talking to somebody who mightn't have seen you play live. And I was likening you to, when I watch Liverpool counter-pressing at their best, and you see the likes of Mo Salah, Jordan Henderson, these, these fellas coming from behind of an opposition player who might be a defender or a midfielder and nicking the ball off them. And it's amazing how many times I see you doing that, coming out from an attacking situation when you've lost the ball, coming behind an opposition player and taking it off them. Is that something you've worked on yourself quite a lot
0: um, yeah it is to be fair um, I think it's obviously we went in pre-season and obviously with the new group of players and stuff it's the way we want to play this year so obviously we want to be on the ball as good as we can but we know when we lose it the first probably 5-10 seconds is like void to get the ball back so it's obviously kind of pressing from the front foot so um, sometimes yeah I just kind of go for it and sometimes you get caught out in ways you probably shouldn't press but it's something in the game that I like doing so because so obviously, it's worked out a good few times this year, but it's something that we work on as a team. When the attackers are having the ball just in the back of your mind, think if they lose it here, you can counter-press and kind of patch them on the break. So, it's something we work on as a team, and obviously, it's been it's been working for us, to be fair.
1: And there's a real art to that kind of tackling as well, Adam, when you're coming behind an opponent, because, as we know, it's so easy to give away a free kick or to maybe get booked in those situations. Yeah. Is that something you've had to hone as well?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely, Um. I think last year the year before I think I had 12, 13 yellow cards so it's part of my game that um, obviously like doing that side of the game the defensive side so obviously I think of the first two games of the season I had two yellow cards so you're kind of thinking into it as well um, when you're kind of trying not to go to the ground as much but sometimes it kind of works out for you and sometimes it doesn't but you kind of have to back yourself that when you're going to press that the player's not expecting it as he thinks that he's just won the ball back and he'll have time so oh yeah it's something that we work on as I said but yeah, it's been obviously going good
1: enough. Um, I think in all the games I've seen, I've seen all the Bowes games this season uh, live. Yeah. I think the only one I've seen you maybe struggle a bit in. I'm just curious to know, um, as to what you learned from that match. But the game against Shelburne at Talca Park, would you would you
0: agree? Maybe that was one of the ones you found a little bit tougher. Yeah, to be fair, like that game was the first half and stuff. It was we didn't play as well as we wanted. Um, as a team, we didn't, and then just as we were getting into the game, obviously the red heart, red card happened, sorry. Um, and then we were probably actually better as a team with the 10 men. So yeah, we kind of didn't get to the grips of how they were pressing and how they were dealing like with the ball, um, with our, like flat midfield three and stuff. So that's obviously the one game this year that we kind of, at the end of the game, we knew we had to look back on. And if it happens again, what we'd do better. But yeah, as you said, it wasn't the best performance for myself, but as a team, we kind of worked on what, they done well and obviously we didn't really get the grips as we should have as early in the game as we should have anyway
1: You've got one goal in those 11 appearances and I just wonder yeah. is that something as well you'd like to improve perhaps just maybe taking a bit more of a, a
0: chance with yourself maybe around the box that kind of thing Oh no definitely um, it's one thing that I need to work on definitely is um, like on the ball I love being on the ball and so passing and stuff like that wise. I enjoy doing that but I do need to get more goals and assists I know that myself and um, but like the stats that have been going around, a lot of being tackling and recoveries and stuff, I don't mind that once the lads in front of me and stuff are scoring and getting assists. But it's something that I do need to work on. And if I get more goals and assists me game, then my game's only going to get better. So it's something that I do need to work on. And that's where I am at the moment, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's something Declan Devine will always keep an eye on because, look, he was full of praise for Johnny Afalabi after most of his performances this season. and He's yeah. not exactly banging goals in every week, but it's the, the other work that Affalabi's that is doing that's contributing to the team. And, and just on that as well, because you mentioned about trying to improve certain aspects of your game, and I mentioned Declan talking about Johnny Afalabi, you know, because there's a lot of managers there. Like we had Trevor Crowley used yep. to manage. He's at Bohemians. you got Pat Fennel, director of football. Gary Cronin is there, of course, assisting Declan Levine. And even uh, Derek Pender... Uh, took over the Bowes team for a short time yeah. last year. It's it's really a, it's an incredible setup. But who would work on the field with the coaching stuff? And does Declan Devine take a very hands on role or is he a little bit
0: more kind of standing back? I know Declan does do a good bit, to be fair. The gaffer does be involved, and in every day we do things, and the gaffer does be involved. And then obviously, Gary and Detsa do certain things themselves. Sometimes Gary will take um, the attackers and maybe doing a bit more attack and play, crossing and finishing. And then on the opposite side, of the pitch will have that's our work with the back four and the kind of midfield unit so now they all some days Gary just take him on and some days the day before a game it'll be more the gaffer working on that, like if it's just down 11 or if it's corners set pieces and stuff so every day it kind of changes but they're all hands on and they're all very good at what they do which is obviously good for all the players do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: now the big thing about being in a good football team as well and a team that's going to, you know, get results and hopefully go on to win things, it's all about how you react to bad results or bad situations yeah. in games. Obviously the the Dublin derby was a disappointment a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. you must be as a squad happy with how
0: you've responded since. Oh yeah, definitely. Every the three games we've lost this year, we have bounced back. Um I think two of them have been good, that's been Friday, Monday. Obviously the Derby against Rovers was the Friday night and then we knew we had Derry up in the Brandywell on the Monday so it's probably a good thing that you didn't have all week to kind of be thinking into it and dwelling on it we kind of did have to obviously park it on the Saturday morning we looked at clips that we could have done better on but then the focus did straight away go to Derry on the Monday for example so it's obviously been good that we bounced back from it but you don't want to get into a habit of when you lose a game you just think you're going to win the next one you just have to get that consistency and hopefully not lose as much as we can
1: this week, you've got uh, two games to look ahead you It's the, the bottom two teams in the league. Yeah. And, you know, you have to show these teams respect. That's obvious. And uh, you, you wouldn't do any other way going into a big game. But with all these wins and with Bowe's being at the top of the table, the supporters are now going to expect that you win games like this. Is the, Do you feel yeah. that kind of little bit of pressure
0: going in, even though they're against the two to- sides or at the bottom of the table? Um, Not really, to be fair. We, obviously, we went when we played U C D at home last one. Um, I remember, they went one goal up, and then obviously, Cork we've seen some game like they scored four of them. Talent stuff, so we know how good they are as a team. Obviously, we went up to turn across to start the season, before put a good performance. Last 20 minutes was a bit of a shaky one, you know what I mean? They, they're going to get the balls in the box, and they even long throw ins, so they slow the game down. So now we know, obviously, we're doing well, we're top of the table at the moment, and fans will expect us to win the games because they're. Like in the bottom tier at the moment or whatever, but we know ourselves what so we have to do as a team, and we can't play a standard drop If you want to do something this year, and it's about going out and getting the win, hopefully.
1: And you're not, I uh, suppose, a silly question to City Quest ask you. The players, are you kind of even thinking this might be a title challenge now from Bowes this
0: season? <laughs> no, I've been asked that a good few times. To be fair, but we know ourselves. It's obviously a new enough group. Um, it's been an unbelievable start. There's no point in hiding that. Um, from the first eleven games, but we haven't put any targets on anything. We said at the start of the year we wouldn't, but at least we know now the standards we've set. Um, we've obviously played every team in the league at the moment. We're going into the second round of games, so the main thing now is about not letting them standards drop in training and games for the for the next obviously three rounds of fixtures. So now we haven't put any kind of things at the end of the year what we want to do yet, but we're not sure. at the end of the day, we we do want to keep doing what we're doing and keeping the standard high as it has been.
1: And uh, just as we're finishing, um, I have to ask you, well, I talk about pressure from supporters. I'm yeah. sure you get that at home, don't you? Isn't your dad a, a Bose man? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, he is indeed, <laughs> yeah. So we're being back living at home with me, it's been deadly to be fair, but yeah, nah, he's a Bose fan his whole life, so he's obviously probably as proud as I am playing for the club, but oh uh, yeah, when I'm not doing well, I come back and I like, get in the air off him, <laughs> so oh well. <laughs> no dinner, no dinner for you. Yeah, exactly, so I have to, I have to work
1: <laughs> And just as well, because I know he tweeted, I saw him tweeting last week, um, I didn't realise you, you were playing against one of your cousins last week.
0: Yeah, Dylan Grimes, my little cousin, yeah. Um, like, that's for me. That's from my mild side, so he's from Sheriff Street, so yeah, nah, me and Dylan, a little, yeah, he's my little cousin, we've been playing against each other for a few years now, um, when he was at Shelburne, and I was at Ipswich, we played against him in a friendly, and then obviously at Droughton now, so... Yeah, it was good to come up against Dale, but yeah, me outfit. Loves a little tweet, so you'll probably see a few of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great stuff. Adam, listen, you've been very good with your time. I really appreciate it. No Best problem. look at the weekend.
0: Thanks very much, Sam. Pleasure.
1: John, I've got to ask you, settle a controversy here first. Who was the better footballer, John Russell or Julianne Russell? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, gee. That's a tough one. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I suppose she, she did play for the, the senior international team, so she might have just picked me there.
1: That's it. She's got the cap to, caps to prove it, so there you go. Yeah, I'll give her that, yeah. <laughs> is um, is Julianne still playing these days, or what's the story there?
2: No, she's actually expecting uh, her first child in, in June, so she's uh, hung up the boots for the time being, but I know she's eager to get back playing uh, with Galway again.
1: Ah, brilliant. Delighted to hear that. Great stuff. Well, listen, John, just uh, to talk about striker Rovers, I wanted to ask you first about Max Mata. He's uh, surpassed his tally of seven goals of last season after 27 matches I think it was in the league. He's only played 11 so far this season. He's got eight goals. How has he managed that or how have you managed that together?
2: Yeah look uh, no surprise to be honest. Um We had Max in the building last season and sort of potentially had and people forget he's only 22 years of age Um so with young players there's always room to develop and grow and, and that's the thing with Max. He's, he's open to um, to getting better, he's he's willing to listen and learn, and you know we spent a lot of time with him, individual meetings, watching his games and his clips back and where he could improve, and he worked extremely hard in the off season in conditioning his body that he could play week in week out, and you know he's hit the ground running, and in fairness, the the team has done really well to create the chances for him, and he's been in the positions, but you know I think there's more to come from Max.
1: Absolutely, and then to. Cap that off um, well himself and Mr. Pineacker to get the call up to the New Zealand squad as a club manager yourself. You must be pretty proud of that.
2: Yeah, very proud. And, you know, that's what we want to try and do going forward is is attracting international players into the club and into the league. And, you know, having the the calibre of Nando Max in the building, you've got Frank Livac. Bogdan Vastuk and and we signed Stefan as well and you know these guys coming in helps you attract other players and for Max to get back into the national team it's off the back of what he's doing at Sligo Rovers you know he got two caps against China there recently and we're delighted for him and uh, long may that continue
1: yeah absolutely would you believe we've got about I think it's uh, two or three Sligo Rovers fans in the off the ball office here Um, one of them just uh, chatting to me before I came on to speak to you and uh, with a very pertinent question actually how do you manage to get a Leipzig player on loan to uh, Sligo Rovers Fabrice Harpin who scored two goals at the weekend there as well and has been doing really well for you
2: yeah he's been brilliant Um, a lot of hard work uh, getting the calibre of him into the building Um, I've spent a lot of time over the last number of years kind of growing a a network of um, sporting directors and, and scouts and stuff and uh, I would have used, and I know it came into the, the the media there recently around Transfer Room. Um, it's, a, it's a platform that you can access uh, to different clubs, sporting directors, and I would have contacted Red Bull around uh, Fabrice and his agents and spent a lot of time during the summer around June when I got the job in Sligo, trying to convince him and his representatives that Sligo was the platform that could, uh, or a club that could give him that platform to resurrect his career because he was, I suppose sitting at a big club in Europe where he wasn't playing um with the first team and I felt that the skill sets he had and, and you know the profile of our league young players that were getting moves abroad that we could get him in and, and you know get the best out of him and thankfully we've been able to convince him to come to the club and uh, he's done really well so far.
1: He certainly has. And just listening to you speak about uh researching players and, and finding out their everything about them, you must spend so much time of your week, of your day. Um, I know it might be sectioned off to one particular part of the year when you're looking at bringing in players, but um, it must take up a, a huge amount of your time.
2: Oh, yeah. Look, this job is 24-7 and long nights watching videos and, you know, when recruiting players. You know, you're doing Zoom calls with them, presentations, and, um, and you're trying to find out as much information, I suppose, before you even get to a Zoom call, because you need to know what kind of wages they're on, you know, you know, dealing with the bigger European clubs. You know, we attracted Robbie Burton from Dinamo Zagreb last summer as well, and it's negotiating with sporting directors around paying percentages of salaries because we, obviously, at our league, and especially Sligo, we have to be creative because our budget is very tight. You know, we're community-run, so we don't have a benefactor. Um, But in terms of trying to compete with the top clubs, you, you got to think outside the box, and... You know, our league is very strong. You know, a lot of good young players, good young managers and coaches. And I think, the, you know, the profile of the league is going up and up and it can help you attract players then.
1: So if you're spending an awful lot of your time doing that, I'm kind of listening to you, listening to you and wondering, could you do with them, you know, maybe like you see the way Bohemians have brought Pat Fennin in to uh, to the club to maybe oversee uh, the different squads and, and stuff like that, bringing in and out players. Are you happy kind of doing that yourself? at Saigo? Yeah,
2: no, I think um you'll see it coming into the league more and more. You've got obviously Steve McPhail as well at like Sha McRovers and he was the first one that sporting director role, and you know it's a huge part of it dealing with contracts and um renewing contracts and attracting players. And um, look, I, I enjoy doing it, but it does take an awful lot of time and I suppose as the manager you're it is twenty four seven, you're doing everything so getting that bit of help, but again it comes down to the structures of clubs and what finance they have available. As you mentioned, Bose brought back, back or brought Pat and back, who was the manager there, you know, so has a huge network himself. Um, but look, I'm I'm a young, ambitious manager, and it's it's good to to kind of have a an understanding of the different aspects of running a football club. So, um, yeah, look, you're, you're learning on the job, but I'm enjoying it.
1: It's great that you got, that you got John Mahan back to the league as well. I was over, um, watching your match against Bohemians uh, on that Saturday night a few weeks ago, and I thought John look really good he he almost seems uh, physically stronger uh, than when he left to go to St. Johnson for that time I'm just wondering though as well because he, he obviously had a half a season with St. Johnson and then coming back to start a season here in Ireland in February is it hard for players like that when he doesn't have you know the regular pre-season with Cygo Rovers and uh, he's coming in from after half a season in Scotland could that that take its toll maybe halfway to this season?
2: Um no, I don't think it'll take its toll. In terms of John, he wouldn't have played an awful lot of football in in Scotland, and I suppose that's why he's back with us. Um, mm. and for us, it's about rebuilding John again. I suppose your confidence is probably shot a bit because before he left, he was seen as one of the top defenders in the country. Um, but you know, you see it across the the world and in, in different leagues, players get moves to clubs and for different reasons. It might work out. Um, but in terms of John, we all know the ability he has. He's he's a top defender. He's he's that old school type. He's he's a warrior. Um, and you know he's he's done well since he's come in, and he's played a couple of games. I know he's had a few um difficult moments um so far, but you know he's shown really good signs, and I feel that as the season goes on, he's going to get stronger and stronger.
1: Yeah, you'd forget he's only twenty three still, a young man. Um, just on the game against UCD at the weekend. Uh, you must be delighted just to get a, a win back on the board after the, the draw against Drada and the, the defeat to Shelburne.
2: Yeah, I know. Delighted. Uh, it's important to be picking up three points, especially at home. And you see the way the league is this year, it's so tight. It's only one or two points between eighth and, and second or third, you know. So for us, we're disappointed not to get maximum points against Drada. Um, but, you know, in terms of our review after whatever 11 games in, a lot of the performances have been very good um, for such a new team and, you know, brought in 10 new players. And for us reviewing the games, you know, there's there's aspects where, yeah, we know we need to improve on. But I suppose you have to make those mistakes. And when you have young players, like our age profile of the team will be 23, 24 years of age. So you're developing these young players. So they're not the finished article. We don't have 29, 30 year olds that have, have been there, done it, won one championship. So, that's par for the course, um. But I'm very happy with the group we've assembled, and I, I do think we'll get stronger as the season progresses.
1: Yeah, is like, I don't know, ask you about maybe the the overall season goal, but like getting to Europe is that is that really the key for for Sliogar do You think this season?
2: I think for all the clubs in in our league, ten team league, and you know three or four spots are up for Europe. Um, we all know the finances of Shamrock Rovers and uh, Derry City, and then you've got benefactor at St Pats and um, Dundalk Pats they're all strong and there's not much between the teams Um, but I feel like on our day we've shown in the first round of games that we're not to fear and I think as we progress through and and our foreign players get used to the league and and the demands and and our style of play and, and what we're trying to do with Sligo I feel we'll pick up a lot of points and I do think this season is probably the strongest and most competitive it's been. So it's going to be an interesting finish to the season once we get to that last series of games.
1: Shamrock Rovers this week. And uh, I suppose there might be a a little bit of uh, spice in that game. Added spice after the opening match of the season, that 1-1 draw. Um, I'm sure Shamrock Rovers would like to get revenge. But uh, how do you feel your Saiga Rovers team is uh, shaping up going into that match this weekend?
2: Yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's always um, a nice stadium and venue to play at, you know, to top class pitch. And um, you know, we know the the strengths of Shamrock Rovers. They've a top squad, again, experienced, league winners, good age profile, and you know, that hasn't um happened overnight either. You know, it's they built it. Um it's two or three years before they won their first trophy. And I think is it's maybe six years now, Stephen Bradley's in the job and he's doing really, really well and getting to the group stage last year. So we know going up there. It's, it's a hard place to, to get three points, but I feel if we're at our best, and we've shown glimpses this year when, you know, in 45 minutes against Shells up in Dublin, we were excellent. Um, but it's putting that 90-minute performance together and hopefully that'll come on Friday night.
1: Absolutely, and I suppose it, it's a bit bittersweet maybe playing Shamrock Rovers and you've got Johnny Kenny in the opposition line-up there as well. Would there be a bit of, I suppose, maybe um, just that extra motivation for the likes of John Mahan coming up against a uh, former Sligo Rovers man like that and uh, just ensuring that he doesn't score any goals on Friday night?
2: Uh, yeah, it's all, like Johnny obviously came up to the academy and... Um, yeah, a really good player and a great time for Johnny. Know know him since he's eleven years of age, and um, you know, got the move to Celtic. But I think we've already had that game now, the first game of the season, and I think the fans were were all looking forward to that. And Johnny ended up coming onto the the pitch that night. So um in terms of the, the second game now it's it's fully focused on, on on trying to get three points you know you come up against former players all the time and um we'll just be focused on trying to to perform well we won't be worrying too much about um about certain players on the on the pitch
1: Absolutely. Just to ask you then, as well, John, because um, I suppose when you look at the, the Sligo Rovers, they've really capitalised on this wave of support in the League of Ireland. And I was, uh, I was remarking to one of my colleagues here just about when you see goals being scored, um, and the, the supporters in behind the goal, packed into those seats behind the goal, it just looks so much better these days. And you've been selling a lot of tickets down there, and it's a huge motivation for players. Just, just get your general thoughts because you've been around the league a long time now on this wave of support for the League of Ireland. It's a lot of young supporters as well that are going to games. What have you made of it and, and, and what do you think of it going into the future?
2: Yeah, delighted to see the the crowds building year on year, the last two years especially. I don't know if it's that kind of post-COVID thing where people you know, were missing the, the live football and, and getting out, but there's definitely a, a younger profile of fans coming in and that's going to be good because they're getting that taste now and they'll, they'll keep going uh, for the next number of years. and. Um, there is a real buzz around the league and I think you know that's because the product is very good and, and it has been for me playing in the league and, and now coach and managing the, the product has always been good but it's probably the optics around the facilities uh, and that's definitely an area that needs to improve uh, you know we're setting out venues now and we're probably restricted in certain venues because of the facilities we, we can't cater for more Um, so that's going to be a big challenge over the next number of years but like you see even small things at Sligo where you know, we've improved the, the home dressing rooms and I think a lot of clubs have done that. I think Pats might have done the same. So even making those small improvements to your facilities while they're waiting for the, the bigger things. And even for me, like the camera angles, you know, you're talking about the goals scored when there's fans behind the the end goal. I think of the floor, as example, when he was playing for Dundalk, it always sticks in my mind that you got that mm. uh, okay. unbelievable volley, but there was no one behind the goal and... and you know, for us, even last year, Shane Blaney when he scored that goal against Motherwell, we had a full stand behind it, and and then Max scored the opposite end to to get the second goal, but there was only a couple of people standing behind the goal. So you know, when you are trying to sell the league, the optics if that, if that was a, a full all-seater stadium, the goals look so much better. So that's definitely uh, something that we can hopefully look forward to in, in the next couple of years is um, better better grounds.
1: Yeah, and there's been, I know, the Sunday Business Post did a couple of articles yesterday um, talking about the League of Ireland, just the investment that's needed. Mihal Martin was on our own station over a year ago talking about how the, the government can do more. Uh, Leo Varadkar put out that tweet after the Euro 2028 uh, news, but... You know, there's been an awful lot of talk. I know Roy Barrett, um, the uh, outgoing chairman of the FAI, was talking about the betting tax. Now, football needs to get a chunk of that because it's all going to horse racing and greyhound racing. What's your own views on that at government level and what can be done there, do you think, to help the League of Ireland to grow?
2: Yeah, I, I think what needs to happen is they need to invest. Um, you know, we, we haven't had it for years and you hear about that, the the betting tax and stuff, and it should be... Um, bring fence towards the the FEI and and to the League of Ireland. We're we're trying to develop academies, and, and you know the, the days of players going across to to England and and us handing them over to the academies over there. I think it'd be such an opportunity now with what's happening across the board in 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 our country. And um, you see the the, the gates are going up, the the interest in the league. And I feel if we get proper investment, we don't have enough full time staff in the academies, even at first team level. Your hands are tied an awful lot. Uh, I know we'll talk more around about sporting directors and stuff and putting those structures in place. We all know what needs to be done, but you need the investment. You need the funds to go and do it. And we've got the the caliber of people in this country to carry that out. And you look at the other nations, Croatia and Belgium, all these at the populations and stuff. They put the structures in place, the, the right investments, um, full time staff in there. And We know what to do, but we just need the money and hopefully the government see what's happening on the ground. Um, what we've done is incredible, really, with the resources we've had over the last number of years. So imagine what we can do if we get the
1: backing. Yeah, 100 percent, John. You're, you're spot on. Listen, thanks a million, John. Really appreciate that. No problem, Stephen. Lee, Stacey, it's uh, very nice you to join us this week for the podcast. Uh, just want to ask you first, how are you finding life as a, a Cove Ramblers player?
3: Hey Stephen, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. delighted I have to say now I'm enjoying the seaside. A uh, bit of a change for me, I've never really played outside of Leinster. So um, yeah, it's really good. It's uh, a nice, uh, interesting time at the moment.
1: And obviously you know Shane Keegan over the years, but how did you end up going and signing for Cove Ramblers for this season?
3: Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one. I've never I've never really spoke to Shane, obviously I know who, who he is, all right. but um, I got a text off me, my old college manager, Jamie Moore, would you be interested in signing for Cove? And I said, like, it's impossible. How am I supposed to do that? I'm doing a masters. I can, I can, I can hardly sign for anyone up here. This is how am I going to get down to Cork? But um, anyway, a couple of weeks uh, went by, and Shane actually phoned me, and I was very happy with the proposal Shane made for me to to make it happen. So um, that's how it came about, really.
1: Yeah, see, there's a really good standard of goalkeeper now in the division. I'm Looking at Brendan Clark, obviously playing for Galway United. Finn Harp signed Tim Heimer from from uh, over from Germany as well. He's been doing pretty well. And obviously you've got Jack Brady Love. because like there's a really good uh, clutch of goalkeepers playing in first division football.
3: Absolutely you look around the, the whole league like there's um there's top keepers in, in both divisions and I think um i was always looking like at, at the competition how keepers getting on and to be fair there's some been some really good performances at End of as well as doing really well at long. Um so yeah there's there's some really good keepers in that division and like, there's not a lot of options for keepers to go around, so you really have to do well when you get your chance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you even look at Luke Dennison, who was uh, you know, doing well at Longford Town, and he was quite happy to go in as a number two to James Talbot. I suppose another indication of how competitive it is to try and get a starting goalkeeper short in the League of Ireland.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I played with Luke for a couple of years. Luke was my understudy for three years at Longford, and um, you know he's a great attitude, and when he got his chance, he did really well. So I was really happy for him to get the chance to go to Bowles and obviously challenge James. But for me, I think the most important thing is be playing. Um, I spent, last season was the first time I hadn't been playing in a while and I just, I didn't enjoy that at all. So I think, especially at my age, i 30 now, you, you have to be playing games regularly.
1: Yeah, and how long do you think you can... Because, look, goalkeepers have a, a very long shelf life. You can go 38, 39. Brendan Clarks, uh, he's in the upper ends of 30 at the moment. He's still doing really well and could get promoted again, like he did with shells with Galway. How long would you see your League of Ireland career lasting, do you think? Or how long would you like it to last?
3: Yeah, so this, as this year came about, I was a little bit worried that I might have to take a break because of the studies like doing a Masters in Trinity College for teaching. And it's just really intense. But I didn't want to have to do that. I want to stay in the league consecutive, consecutively for as long as possible. So I believe I'll be able to play into my 40s. I keep myself quite fit. Um, touch wood, I've never had really many many injuries that have kept me out for a period of time. And I consider myself, like, I only started really playing uh, as a 1st first, first team goalkeeper when I was 25, 26. So I'm still only at the beginning of my career, if, if I'm being honest, and I feel I could easily play into my 40s.
1: And I know part of uh, that fitness regime is, uh, well, I, I believe you had been going sw- sea swimming with uh, Keith Buckley from Bohemians and Pico Lopez as well from Shamrock Rovers, I think.
3: Yeah, the three was, um, we have a good dynamic there. I'm actually going to to play golf with it. Pico later on but Buko, um, is too busy he has other stuff going on even though he's a full time footballer he's not making any time for us it's terrible
1: he's but, not
3: even paying um, and decorating anymore yeah I know, <laughs> I know and he's, he's all busy now and he's nothing to do but um, no it's, um, the sea swims are great Yeah, we, we started going on Sunday mornings and it was brilliant but we haven't been doing them in a while and I think if we we if were to go out now we might get a little bit of shock with the cold but we will integrate them back now coming into the summer and hopefully keep them going over the
1: winter Who's doing the better in the golf out of the three
3: of you? Oh, who's doing the better? Well, last time in fairness, uh, I think that's why Bucco is um he's not available because he's out practicing all the time and he's not telling us. <laughs> so he, I think he has a little bit of an edge. He's a bit of an all rounder, Bucco. He's good at all sports. But myself and Pico are definitely, uh, we're definitely catching up. So hopefully we gain a bit of ground now today.
1: Yeah, big Dublin derby as well, Friday week, so you probably won't be going out playing uh, golf with the two lads next week. You might have to go on your own. <laughs> no, uh, they,
3: they try and tend to stay away from each other on the build-up to games like that, but um, there, there won't be much golf happening, I don't think, around then.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Listen, just on Cove Ramblers then, Lee, um, got off to a brilliant start this season. You're up around first second for the first few weeks. Um, there's been two defeats in the draw in the last three games. Can you kind of put a finger on what's been going wrong over those last few matches? Um,
3: well, if you look at the last game, I think Trey were really good. Um, we probably didn't play to our strengths without being really poor. We just weren't um, probably as at it as Trey were in the night. So that was a, obviously a really good result for them. Probably should have still won the game And um, with two great chances. But... Yeah, I think three were really good. The week before at Long, we were definitely probably our worst performance. Um, I think the less said about that one, the better. And the Waterford game, which we lost the week before, that was an unbelievable game. It was 3 1, but it was never a 3 1 game. It could have really been 3 all or 1 all. And um, Waterford just took advantage of the, the goals, but we hit the post, we hit the bar, we had chances cleared off the line. That was a really good game. So we need to kind of just get back to. I think nullifying mistakes, I think the teams who make the least mistakes in this league will do the best and you look at Galway and how um, shrewd they are and they the, don't cough up many chances at all. And Whereas I've been quite busy in most of the games so I think if we can just nullify the mistakes as I said, we will be able to focus more on our attacking game and like the lads we have in those areas And both ends of the pitching fairness but the attacking players we have are really good. So if we can keep the chances to a minimum then we have more of an opportunity to, to play in those attacking
1: areas yeah Jack Doherty has been sensational for Cove this season seven goals and ten appearances do you think maybe I was speaking to uh, the Galway manager J- John Caulfield a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that one of the things that they had to change from last season was trying to spread the goal scores. now they've got a couple of lads like Vincent Borden who are getting a lot of goals but there is a good spread then outside of that is that something Cove need to try and do as well
3: yeah obviously um, we're heavily reliant on Jack he's obviously a super player he's one of the best I've ever played with and yeah when you have it when you have a tool like that you may as well use it but some of the other young lads like Tyrone O'Brien Luke Desmond just to name a few like they are really quality players and they can definitely add goals to the game like I think Luke has created um, a lot of goal scoring chances just looking at air analytics on Twitter and um, is he's more he's minus XG. Whereas if he converts them chances, which he will in time, with no doubt, he'll um he'll definitely start getting amongst the goals. And I think Ternan scored a couple of goals early on, and if we can just get back to that lads tipping in, it will help Jack because a lot of the play a lot of the teams now are just doubling up on Jack because he's so good and scoring so many goals, and it's obviously it makes it harder for us then.
1: And how have the team found uh, training under Shane and? The coaching that he provides as well—he seems like a very, you know, so he obviously does some work with us and off the ball, but very, I suppose, progressive manager, very modern kind of manager, very forward there, you know, positive thinking manager.
3: Yeah, I have to say, um, to be fair to the management, um, we were sent out with a, with a plan for every game, and we we studied the opposition like really well. So we we can't ever say we don't know what we're doing. If things aren't going right, a lot of it is on the players. So um, the management provides with the tools, but at the same time it allows um a lot of a lot of t- team input as well. So it's not just this is the manager and that's it. Like it's a it's a real group thing. And to be honest, uh, I think it's working very well overall. Like you look at Cove last year, finished bottom of the bottom of the league. It's it's only early days, but the trans the transformation already is really good. So we're looking to just build on that and and keep uh, progressing every week.
1: Absolutely. This week it is Galway United. Um is there a bit of fear going into a game like that? And I suppose especially when you see like Bray Wanderers going there in second place and getting tongued 6 0 uh, the previous week. It's um it seems like a very daunting challenge the way Galway are playing at the moment.
3: Yeah, absolutely not. There's no fear factor for us at all. The way we see it, Galway, Waterford, two full time teams and even Bray are obviously we we've kind of looking at down for the top three. There's five other teams maybe battling for the other two positions. So we're not too concerned. We'll go out. We'll enjoy the game. I think that they beat us 2-0 at home. They had two. We had made a mistake and we switched off them for the other goal. So I, I don't think there was much in, in that game at all. And that was us pay, playing really below par. So hopefully we can uh, improve in that game. And like they, they can't keep winning every week, I don't think. So uh, hopefully we can be the team to stop them.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say that to you. They're going to have to drop points at some stage, aren't they? Listen, Lee, that's brilliant. Thanks very much for that. Really appreciate you joining us. No worries. Thanks, David.
0: LOI, Match Day
3: on Off the Ball.